Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. Pastor Joe here. Uh, today we closed out our latest three-week series, Spirit-Filled People, by turning to Matthew 17 and the transfiguration story found there. Uh, we looked at the ways that Peter responds and how God interrupts him by commanding him to listen to God's son, Jesus. Uh, check out the sermon here. Good morning. My name is Bill. And today we, we will conclude our series, Spirit-Filled People, and turn to Matthew 17, 1 through 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became bright as light. Suddenly... There appeared to them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will set up three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, the Beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up, do not be afraid. And when they raised their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Holy words for God's people. All right, well, good morning again. Um, I know that uh, most of you are wondering, um, Pastor Joe, where did you get that awesome tan? Well, let me tell you. No, no one's wondering that? I, <laughs> all right, I guess not. Uh, thanks for noticing. Um, <laughs> No, uh, this past week, uh, my family and I, we were in Mexico. Um, Joanne's parents uh, live there, my in-laws live there, and uh, we spent a few days in Cancun. And I want to share about that. It, it, was a, it was an amazing experience, and, and part of it was because we got to play and, be, and, and you know, spend time together. But every time that we encountered one of the uh, staff, um, they would greet us with, hey, familia. So we go to the restaurant, and they'd say, hey, familia, welcome. Hey, familia, I'll be your waiter today. Hey, familia, what would you like to eat? Or we go to the, the lobby, you know, we need something, or we ask questions. Hey, Familia, how can I help you today? What, what, hey, Familia. Right? And it was really a, a very cool uh, experience because by the end of the week, I started to believe that I was family, that I, I felt like I was family, right? And I would say, hey, Familia, and we'd respond back and forth and get to share in that moment. And I was thinking about how it's not just what we believe, but can we act it? Right? Can we claim it with our whole posture and all of who we are so that we can experience God's family together? We can name that we are siblings together, that we are part of God's beloved community, right? And that we together make up this beautiful mosaic of God's beloved kingdom. It's going to take more than us just thinking it, right? It's going to take us naming it to, to make choices based on it. And so this morning, we want to name that there are uh, places where people are not 
considered family, that we do the harm of keeping people away, pushing people out, marginalizing folks based on identity. And we want to name that uh, if that has been your experience, you are welcome, especially you are welcome and you belong. Um, if you are gay or lesbian or transgender, bisexual or questioning, know that you are welcome and know that you belong. If you're black or brown or indigenous, if you've been discriminated against because of the color of your skin, know that you are welcome, know that you belong. If you find yourself homeless or houseless or in the lower economic brackets of our community, uh, if you're single or divorced or partnered or separated, know that you are welcome, know that you belong. Uh, with all of your unique gifts and abilities created to be bearers of Christ's image to all the world, know that you are welcome, know that you belong. Amen? Amen. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, hey, familia. <laughs> Turn to someone else and say, hey, familia. <laughs> Everyone turn to the camera and say, hey, familia. Amen. Good. Let's pray. Oh, God, be present with us here and in all the places from which we are worshiping. Move in us and through us that we too would be moved and changed. Speak to us, we pray. Less of me, more of you. None of me, all of you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You know, I've been thinking a lot about revivals lately, revivals, and uh, maybe you've been following the news that's coming out of Asbury University in Kentucky these past 11 days or so. Um, on February 8th, after their Wednesday chapel service, uh, students, they didn't leave the room, and instead uh, they felt compelled to stay and to sing and to pray. And while there were there currently are debates over what counts officially as a revival. I do think it's safe to say that something is stirring in the hearts and minds of the people who are gathered, right? There's something like 1,700 people in that space. Uh, there's an additional five to 10,000 people that have traveled from across the U.S. and around the world to be there on site. Uh, there's millions more who are following along online. They're gathered, right? There's something about this gathering that's drawing me. And I, I want to name, uh, there does need to be some hard and serious conversations about the theologies and stances of the university, right? Many of which uh, I would like to challenge, right? I want to name that up front. I think there has to be some hard and serious conversations around what their hopes are when they name that they want God to encounter them and what some of their yearnings are for our world. I, I think all those conversations and challenging and wrestling need to happen. Um, and I do think that there's power when people gather. And I still think there's power when people do gather. I'm thinking about uh, the revivals that I've heard uh, that my grandfather used to lead across Korea. Uh, he would leave uh, the house on Sunday uh, after church, and then he would travel across the country leading revivals throughout the week. And even today, there's, there's people of a certain generation uh, who stop to tell me of a time that they were gathered with friends and in their cities and in their towns, in their villages, uh, to hear my grandfather preach. Right? I also remember attending some revivals of my own, like with the church that I was with or with the church that my parents were at and, and others that my dad would be invited to lead. I, I have these really fond memories of these gatherings so of singing, of, of praying, of fellowship, of community. I mean, we, we, we all do this thing of gathering, don't we? Right? Something like it. Every Sunday, we gather. 
Here in community, we gather to, to find belonging, to, to be together, to have an encounter with God that reminds us of our belovedness. But, but, but here's what I'm thinking about this morning. What's at stake if we stay too long in that moment? What's at stake if we create these mountaintop experiences that fail to move us into relationship with the holy and with one another? What's at stake? I want to invite us, as we, as we look to our text, right? Leading up to this, the disciples, they've been with Jesus throughout his whole ministry. They, they've heard his teachings and healings. They've experienced all the things that shatter the way that they knew of the world so that they can now follow the one who is the Son of God. But for Peter, despite being able to name and proclaim that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, just six days before our mountaintop experience, I don't think he actually knows what that means. And I admit it too. I find it easy to relate to Peter. I find it easy to relate to the ways that he exclaims with excitement. Here he is feeling good about himself. Right? He's being part of the inner circle. He has the honor of seeing Jesus transformed. And maybe there's a part of him that starts to get his hopes up, thinking to himself that this radiant Jesus, that this vision of the Messiah that has been passed down from generation to generation, the vision of the Messiah that he had had in his mind all along, we finally made it. Because Peter's Messiah, Peter's Messiah was one that would come to save the world through might and through majesty and through power one that would invoke awe and wonder. Surely the, the Messiah would be more than the man who he followed around for three years, right? This man who was born in a lowly manger, this man who got his hands dirty passing out food and bread to the crowd, this man who ate with prostitutes and tax collectors, this man who, who touched outcasts. Surely there would be more to this Messiah than this man. And so he's there with James and John, witnessing Jesus transformed and revealed. And I wonder if Peter thinks that he's finally made it. Right? Yes, this is what we've been working towards. This is what we've been working for. Three years of ministry. Three years of hardship, three years of rejection, three years of service, all for this moment of glory. Jesus revealed and transformed as the Messiah, Elijah, Moses. It's good for us to be here. Jesus, can't we stay? And I don't want to make it seem like Peter's response to this moment is completely inappropriate. I do think it's natural to be so moved by something that you can't help but want to stay, right? Think of the majesty of the Grand Canyon or the power of Niagara Falls, uh, the brilliance and beauty of art, the power of performance, walking into the University of Michigan football stadium. <laughs> Look, the struggle... And maybe the danger in these moments of awe and wonder is not the experience itself, but rather the danger is in wanting to stay in that moment. There's Peter, 
standing before Jesus transformed, witnessing Jesus reveal himself as the Messiah who would come to save the world. And Peter, because of his humanity, because of his human nature, because he misses the point and makes it about himself, he takes that which is good and tries to box it in. He, he makes an idol of the very thing that gives him life. But what's amazing is that even in those moments when we want to hold on, even in those moments when we can't let go, even in those moments when we make idols of the things that are good, God still meets us there. Amen. God still meets us there. We're going to keep working on that, so be ready. Look, verse 5 in our text, right? It tells us that while Peter was still speaking, in the midst of Peter claiming a desire to stay there, a voice from the cloud interrupts him, literally throwing him to the ground in fear. This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. I love that. And if what God says sounds familiar, it's because we hear it earlier in Matthew. It's the only other time in the Gospel of Matthew that we hear God's voice. It's chapter 3. And Jesus is at the Jordan River. He's baptized by John. And when Jesus had been baptized, I'm reading now, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw God's Spirit descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from the heavens said, This is my Son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And while it varies a little bit in our English translation, the Greek is exactly the same. This is my son, the beloved, with whom or with him I am well pleased. What a beautiful moment. What a beautiful reminder of the kind of world that God has claimed for us. It's not one that Peter or one that we would have planned or one that we would have desired. It's a new world that's rooted in the teachings of Jesus. It's a brand new way. It's a beloved way. But God doesn't stop there. Right? In our text, God says, listen to him. It's a commandment. It's not a suggestion. This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. I wonder for Peter, if listen to him might mean more than the moment of transformation that has happened before his eyes, but it's to be reminded of the relationship that he had cultivated with Jesus over time. Listen to him when he said to love God and to love one another. Listen to him when he said, what you have done for the least of these you have done for me. Listen to him when he said, follow me. And listen to him with all that's about to come next. Right? Listen to him in his parables on humility and forgiveness, on resisting temptation and the beloved community being bigger and open to all. Listen to him when he says, let the little children come to me. Listen to him as he teaches all along the way into Jerusalem. Listen to him on his way to the cross. Listen to him as he's about to be executed by the empire. Listen to 
All of it. All of it. Earlier I asked what's at stake if we stay too long in these mountaintop experiences. I would suggest everything. Everything is at stake if we stay too long. If we fail to move into a relationship with the holy and with one another, instead of being about the corporate need of humankind, we we would make it about us, the individualism that plagues our society. We would make it about our experiences, our moments of encountering the holy hour, being filled with the Holy Spirit, with love and with grace, and we would forget that God invites us to be with the people. God invites us to care for our siblings, to live with and be in community with our neighbors. If we chose to stay on the mountaintop, I think we would miss the whole point of our faith. In Matthew's gospel, the teachings of Jesus were not for us to look to the end of the world and how we live into some idea of salvation someday out there. In Matthew's gospel, the point was that Jesus was concerned about how we live in the world today, how we live in the now. So church, where do we go from today? Where do you go from those moments of encountering the holy? How do you come down from the mountain back into your context, back into your community? How, where, what? Last week I shared that we'll be going on a journey to remember what it means to live into what church means for us today. I shared that we'll announce some steps that we might take, some of the ideas we might try, some of the changes we might make, things like how we worship, things like how we communicate, things like how we order ourselves, things like how we serve, things like where our money goes, things like how we do life. Here's the first one. I wonder if we have placed such a high premium and emphasis on the mountaintop experience that we lost sight of the point of our faith. I wonder if we've forgotten that our whole lives are called to embody the teachings of Jesus, to to, to listen to the teachings of Jesus. I wonder if we've forgotten that our whole lives are meant to listen to the teachings of Jesus. And I'll be the first one to confess. Tomorrow, um, in the Pacific Northwest An- uh, Conference, annual conference of the United Methodist Church, of which we belong, uh, we have numbers that are due. Uh, every year, we have to fill out statistical data for our church. It's a long and um, tedious process. And the first question is not how many lives were transformed by the teachings of Jesus, which I would suggest it should be. The first question is how many people show up for worship? What tragedy? What sin? That we've made the point of our faith to count the people who come to worship. I'm going to go off script now, so I don't know where I'm going. You're going to get raw me for just a second. 
if we've made the point of our faith, the number of butts in the seat and who shows up on Sunday mornings, we've missed the point. We've missed everything about our faith. We've stopped caring about the things that actually matter. I've stopped caring about the things that actually matter. It's a community that we get to do together, that we get to journey alongside one another, that we get to promise to pray for, to nurture, to support one another. So here's the first idea we're going to try. We're three days away from Lent. Uh, Lent is the 40 days uh, that take us up to Easter, so it starts this Wednesday on Ash Wednesday. That's a time of preparation, a time of repentance, a time of uh, confession, a time to sit in the midst of the brokenness around us so that we can then celebrate Easter, the resurrection, together. But I, I want to remind us that after the resurrection, the disciples, uh, they, especially if we look at the Gospel of John, they, 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 they don't know what to do. <laughs> They, they forget how to be without Jesus. They're, they're, they're lost. And so they do the only thing that makes sense to them. And, and they gather. They've just experienced this traumatic week. And they gather. And they kept gathering. And they kept gathering to, to study, to, to eat, to learn from one another, to share with one another, to care for one another. They, they gather to, to be together. So I want to invite us, in the period of time between Easter and Pentecost, which is seven weeks, 50 days, from Easter to Pentecost, I want to invite everyone, everyone online and on site, to commit to gathering in a small group. Seven weeks, that's all I'm asking you. Seven weeks to commit to being with the people that we claim to be in community with, to remind us that we don't do this faith journey alone, to remind us that we don't do this faith journey only on Sundays, to remind us that we need each other, to remind us that we're called to be in community with one another, to remind us that we are better in community. The logistics are on its way. The goal is to have 20 to 25 small groups. We're going to invite everyone to be part of one. Uh, If you feel called to be a leader or to talk to me about what that's like, please don't hesitate. It's going to be real easy. Because the point is not to create another system or order that checks off boxes. The point is to do this faith thing well. And if we can commit to gathering in community... Imagine the transformation that could happen beyond our walls. Imagine what could happen if we've committed to praying for one another every week. We've committed to eating together, to to journeying together, to supporting one another. Imagine what could happen. And imagine the stories that we could tell on Pentecost of the times when we've experienced God's Spirit at work. That's what we're building towards That's what we're headed because we believe that there is a way better than what we've been doing and that God is faithful leading us towards that spirit-filled experience that we can truly be the people that God calls us to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Holy One, uh, we're about to start some new things. Holy One, we're about to try some things out. 
Holy One, we're about to name the times when we've messed up. Holy One, we're about to claim that there is a better way. And so in all those moments, we ask that you would be with us, be with this community of folks you call Bothell United Methodist Church. Be with us as we live into the purpose that you've placed on our hearts to be more like your son Jesus the Christ to unify our hearts and our minds across technology from all around the U.S., even all around the world, and to seek out the transformation in and within the communities that you place us. Help us to be the people you call us to be. Agitate in us, instigate in us, inspire us, and remind us of your faithfulness as we boldly live into that call. For it is in your holy name that we pray. Amen. All right, so that was this week's sermon. As you heard at the end, I really am looking for how we can um, reimagine the ways we are doing church, the ways that we are living into God's call for us. Um, if you're interested in a small group, uh, make sure that you check out the information that's going to be found on social media and on our website in the coming weeks. And uh, blessings to you as we enter into this season of Lent. Come back midweek as we uh, share um, our service from Ash Wednesday as we kick off this year's uh, Lent season together. Uh, have a wonderful start to the week and we'll talk to you soon.